Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here with my dear friend, my Myra Bumgardner. Hey, Myra. Hey, Emily. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I am so excited to have Myra on the podcast today because here at Healthy Discourse, we are talking all the time about building community, engaging the people around you, being a voice of truth and reason and unity and all of those things. And I can't think of many people that embody all of those things better than my friend Myra. So I'm so glad you're here today to share with us about some of the ways that you have worked through toward those objectives that we just mentioned. And I was just thinking as I was preparing to have you come on that it was important to mention that your dear son, Michael's podcast that he did as an intern with Wiggy last summer, I believe that was on our initial dive into vaccine research is still to date our most listened to podcast. And let's just say they were all spot on and we'll leave it at that. So <laughs> anyway, if you've not listened to our most listened to podcast, go back and listen to Myra's brilliant, sweet son, Michael, who is um, hopefully going to be an amazing doctor someday. So all that to say, Myra, and I just want to give a little bit of background into my relationship with Myra. So we have not been friends for a really super long time, even though I think it feels like it sometimes. I think that um, we, over the past I don't know, three or four years, just like many, many other people, we both have seen a need to engage and to do something different within our communities. And I love the way that you have come alongside of women and those in our community to help launch new things, but not for Myra's good, but for the good of the community around you to bring people together that really need each other. And so we'll dive into a little bit of that today. But what I wanted to start with is your kind of life motto that comes from scripture in the book of Esther about for such a time as this. So would you talk just for a second about what that means to you and why that is what pushes you forward through all the craziness? Yeah, thank you, Emily, and thank you for such kind words. Um, it, you know, we we've become such a divisive community, and um, it, it's not necessary. And it, it's I, I truly believe that it's Satan driven. Um, mm. It wants he would like to divide us. God wants to unify us, um, and the love of Jesus absolutely wants to unify us. So um, I, um, I got really connected with Esther years, years, years ago in a Beth Moore study. And I, I just, I've read, I've read and I've written two studies leading probably 50 college students from UNC. When we did a mission trip, I wrote a study on Esther and I just found what Esther did to be so powerful um, to, to bring about truth. And mm -hmm. we, as women, you know, sometimes we don't know the power of unification that we have. Esther did, and and God strengthened her to be brave. And so when I get down in the dumps or I get concerned that I'm not doing the right thing and I need some energy, I just remember for such a time as this. Mm, that's good. And I, and I even have a little crown 
tied to my <laughs> mirror <laughs> that um, to remind me that, you know, God calls us to do things at certain times. And as Christians, we absolutely must listen to his call. And during this turbulent COVID season, especially as it impacted marginalized children in Winston-Salem, I would be exhausted. God would strengthen me through rest. And the first thing that would come into my mind when I wake up in the morning is, Myra, I'm not done. Keep going for such a time as this. Mm, that's so great. And I think that it's so um, relevant and relatable because that's, I mean, I think we all feel that pool and it looks lots of different ways for different people, right? But yeah. it's so easy and encouraged and simple to stay silent because we live in a culture that is so driven by fear of all kinds. And, and um, in fact, our pastor talked about this not long ago. The only value that our culture seems to have collectively anymore is what we would argue what we would call kindness Mm -hmm. and it's interesting that that is such an elusive term though as far as what does it truly mean to be kind Mm -hmm. does that mean that I affirm anything and everything or does that Mm -hmm. mean that I that I love you even when it's a difficult journey and way to love and way to stand up and to push back against darkness and that doesn't always make me you popular, but is that actually true kindness? And that's Mm -hmm. a question we all have to wrestle with, right? There's no easy like, oh yes or no. Um, But it's just something to be aware of. And we become so fearful of not being perceived as kind that it can be very hard to actually take that step forward into whatever God is calling us to do. Yeah, I, I agree completely with that sentiment. Um, I remember my daughter and her wisdom very young. Um, we would often say, and we as women often say, they are so sweet. And, mm. and she corrected me and said, no, kind. And kind is better. You can deliver truth in kind. That. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think that our culture has just gotten to the point where some people don't want to hear the truth. And if your truth is different from their truth, then you're not kind or you're Mm -hmm. not nice or you're not sweet or you're disrespectful. And we have to have the courage again, like Esther, whose life was in danger, right? If they would have found out she was a Jew, she easily could be, have, have been executed. Um, we have to be brave, but in kindness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it, and, and those are constant questions we have to be asking ourselves, right? There's not like you decide one day I'm going to speak truth and boldness and kindness and just check that off your list and be done with it, right? That's what I talk to my kids about all the time that it's, it's a constant every day we're putting on the armor of God every day. This isn't like you do it one time and you're done every mm-hmm. day, in fact, every hour. And so it's just, one of those things we have to constantly wrestle with and there's not always an easy answer. And I think you do such a great job of 
living in that tension in a way that is um, God honoring and truth honoring. So would you go back actually and kind of just share with our audience an overview of what's happened and, you know, as far as the way, way, the things that you've been involved with starting, Mm -hmm. launching, leaving, all those things (laughs) over the past, over the past three years, just kind of an overview, because I think the way that it weaves together is just such a beautiful testament, testament to how God leads and calls us into and out of things. So I would love for you to just kind of give an overview of what that's looked like for you as a, as a community member and leader. Well, sure. Thanks, Emily. I'd love, I'd love that. Um, so back in September, August, September of 2020, um, three ladies and I came together and we, we decided we wanted to do something a little bit different, not necessarily, um, pertaining to just politics, but serving. So one of the ladies decided to move on and do something different. So that left Nikki Reed and I to carry the ball across the finish line and start the Conservative Women of Forsyth County. And anybody can check out our website and see what we stand for. We often get labeled as a political party, but we are not. We are a group of women who are led by scripture to serve in our community. We have some strong conservative beliefs, Um, We have Democrats in our group, we have independents in our group, and we have Republicans in our group. Mm -hmm. Our goal was always to serve the community and build a bridge. Mm -hmm. For those of your listeners that live in Winston-Salem, everybody knows and talks about 52, the right side and the left side. And we just felt like it's, you know, there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of, there's some action, but the action doesn't stand. So we started trying to serve. And then one day we, we were, we were blessed to meet Wayne Patterson and his wife, Tamika, who started Neighborhoods Hands um, two years ago. And they actually won Minority Nonprofit of the Year in Winston-Salem. And so we pulled along our members of the Conservative Women, as you know, um, Emily, since you're one of them. And we started serving in East Winston. We did a Halloween party. We did an Easter egg hunt. We raised money for Christmas presents. We raised about $300 that in turn was used to buy Christmas presents. Um, We've sent people over to Tudor. We've taken kids to Carowinds. We're building Mm -hmm. bridges through personal relationships. And Mm -hmm. so now I've been asked to join the board of Neighborhoods Hands. And the work they're doing is, I'm just floored at the work they're doing and the relationships that we're building with our brothers and sisters in East Winston who are truly in marginalized situations. I've learned so much about the community. We have so much more in common than not. Right. And it is imperative that you do it one person at a time. Right. Well, and I want to go back just for a moment to the conservative women, because that's I didn't ever mention this at the beginning. I, that's how I met my I was introduced to the organization, actually just through some mutual friends that I knew that were a part of it. And as we've talked about on our podcast many times, Wiki nor I had any intention to be thrust into anything political ever. Um, but of course, with our Physicians for Freedom, that's what that that kind of has happened. And if it weren't for are the conservative women of Forsyth County that Myra was was pivotal in starting and the introduction that she made to our to me between me and our policy director, Diana Lightfoot, that would have never been. We would never have had this 
organization of physicians and medical providers across the state that's unique. Mm -hmm. And I don't know of any like it that has 300 plus providers and growing daily now. Um, I, I don't know of anything like it. And what what the, the beauty of it is, is willing to say yes, finding a few people, like you said, just in that group, even this, it's not political, but it is finding common ground in a set of concerns and challenges and and mission and goals and morality and all of these things that that there is so much commonality and like you said even that group of women if we were to divide by political party or socioeconomics or whatever it, you, they're not going to always be thrust together and it's that whole idea of being in that uncomfortable space where you're offering something different that is not the you know, put a label on it and, you know, st throw daggers at the other side, whatever that might look like, but instead of a collaboration and there's so much more power and influence in something like that, where people come together, yes, in a common cause, but bringing so much different life experience together that then can grow into something like, or, or could, can, not, can become a seed to something like the North Carolina Physicians for Freedom and can become a seed that people can come alongside with to engage different communities in the same city, much like the engagement with Neighborhood Hands. Or, for example, another thing that happens through that organization is loving and serving the moms of that are having babies through Salem Pregnancy Center, who we've had who we've had leadership from that organization in here before to truly love and serve people because most people don't have an opportunity to just say, okay, not everyone is like Myra and is going to say, okay, I'm just going to go over to East Winston and start building relationships. But somebody does, somebody can, and it might be a listener. It might be, you know, maybe you are like Myra and willing to stretch out and say, this is what God is calling me to do and just go do it. And then you create a conduit where, your your friends and and like-minded people that want to love and serve differently can come alongside of you and that's really what this comes down to is finding and creating that unity where people can come alongside and love on each other and realize like you said earlier we have so much more in common than we are different and there's so many aspects of the things that you're involved in that really point to that and i love that oh thank you and emily you're exactly right and you don't have to go to east winston I mean, you, you, what you said is so true. I just happened to feel called to serve there and, mm -hmm. and I love it. You can serve in your own neighborhood. You know, Absolutely. how many of us don't know our neighbors and just what we could do to help them? We just, we have got to become a people that care and love on other people, even if we disagree. Mm -hmm. You know, the Lord calls us to, love on our enemies. Um, you know, I, I read in a devotional this morning, we reminded that, you know, love on your enemies, um, do good things. I can't remember the passage exactly, but it's like dumping hot coal on their head. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we just have to start loving and learning and um, building relationships with people we disagree with. And that yeah. is going, that is complete in complete juxtaposition of what, the media and other talking heads want us to do. 
Mm-hmm. They want us to stay divided. Right. It's not well, and it's not it's the whole idea of like of the of our podcast title, healthy discourse, right? Mm-hmm. Reintroducing ways for people to engage in ways where we actually want to have conversations and we're seeking to understand one another versus tell you all the reasons that you're wrong and I'm right. Because right. we have a we have a lot to learn from the life experience of others that is different than ours. And they might have a lot to learn from ours because let's just say, like you said, the media wants to construe, they want to make everybody fit into a certain box based upon demographics, right? Whatever that might be, because you're this, this, and this, you're also this, right? And it's like, no, that's not true. And not, I mean, I don't know anyone that fits into a box like that, right? In real life. So how can we instead get to know each other, learn, seek, and engage and build community? Because people are desperate for community. It it was happening before COVID where we kind of live in our own little worlds on our phones and we, we have, we have fake community through whatever we talk on, online and text and whatever, but really life engaging, changing relationships where people are truly known and truly loved are so rare. And as humans, and and it's very biblical that we were, we are made to be in community. I would argue, even if, even if you are of a different faith or you don't have a faith, we are still made to be in community. That is something that as humans, we are designed to love and support and come alongside each other. And people are desperate for those opportunities. Yes, they are starving for it. And and to put a disclaimer on in here for anyone that's listening that that know that I have done things and said things that have not been unifying. I mean, I I, I am guilty as we all are of of being sinful and one of those sins that hurts me personally is when I hurt someone else with things I say or do and but you know what? It's okay. Uh, and, it, and the reason it becomes okay is you apologize, you pick yourself up and you keep going. Um, mm-hmm. We are only human. We do make mistakes. We're going to say the wrong thing. We're going to do the wrong thing. The difference is, do we acknowledge, apologize and move on? Um, right. We've, we just have not become a forgiving culture either. One that doesn't accept responsibility for things we do wrong and then, and then when someone apologizes, we don't allow that to, to, to be enough. Right. Um, yeah. Well, and what you said is so true. Like, that's one of the things I love about you because you're like me and we talk a lot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that requires the, the, um, self-awareness and the conviction to say, wow, I went over the line. I need to take responsibility for that. <laughs> I need to really ap- apologize because what I said was not helpful or unifying, right? <laughs> and and to move on, I mean, because generally we're not talking about evil name calling, throwing people into the mud, but that doesn't matter. Sometimes we can unintentionally make people feel uncomfortable or things come out in a way that they're not meant or any kind of the thing. But you're right. We have to be willing to ask for forgiveness and we have to be willing to give it as well. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a two way street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well said, Emily. Well said. So, <laughs> well, Myra, as you know, one thing I wanted to ask you too, um, as we move toward wrapping up here, 
Um, this podcast is going to be launching right around the election. And we know that that can be incredibly divisive. One thing that you and I have recently talked about is how we decide what metrics you use as an individual person to figure out who to vote for. And this is not a marriage, right? We're not marrying these people. And sometimes we have to take our emotions out of things and look to see who is going to get the job done in a way that best represents my values. And I think you talk about this really well. Could you just kind of run that by our listeners as far as the way that you look at elections? Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, we all, we're all mourning the loss of Stan Elrod, who was running for school board. And, and there were, some of us were, were not completely supportive of Stan, but one of our candidates who's currently running, she had some beautiful words of wisdom. When looking at a candidate, you look, there's the human side and the political side. You don't have to dislike the, the, the human side to disagree with the political side. And that, those words I felt were so valuable to me. I kept trying to figure out, I, I don't dislike that person because they're across the aisle or, our aisle or our politics are completely opposite. I like the person. I don't agree with the politics. And now that I've kind of got my head wrapped around that, I'm looking for someone that speaks truth, accepts responsibility, um, is, is going to do what they tell me they're going to do when they're elected. If they have a history of not doing that or lying to me, they're not going to get my vote. But also mm -hmm. candidates should have the opportunity to be able to apologize right. for a past judgment. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I think, you know, yeah. I've been working the polls and, and, I, and, and of course I'm out working the polls for Republican candidates because I'm a Republican. But I'm standing out there with my my new friends that are Democrats. We are having the best time. I, th I think you just have to understand what you want, the direction you want the country to go or your city or your county, whatever. You, 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 you look at that candidate, you get to know that candidate, you meet that candidate, if at all possible, and you make a decision based on that. But you do not put humanity and politician in the same category mm -hmm. ever. I think yeah. you do that too much. And and that's how I am landing. And I'm I'm comfortable with my landing that way. Yeah. Um, Integrity, like you said, matters arguably more than just about anything, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, but we don't need to go back and look at what somebody did or said when they were 16 years old and and try to project it onto them as a 50-year-old, right? It's like I don't want to be judged that way for sure. Uh, when I was a barely an adult or whatever. And what I did or said, or the way that I voted or whatever, then, I mean, I have done a complete 180 myself when it comes to just about everything in life. And I give Jesus credit for all of that, but we can't, right. we can't want that grace for ourselves and not be willing to give it to other people, especially those that are willing to stick their neck out there and work to represent us um, as our elected officials, because that is not easy regardless of what side you're coming from or what you're doing, you know, it is not easy to drag yourself and your whole family through the mud in order to try to seek to represent the people. And so um, I, I love what you said though, right? Cause we do have, again, it's kind of like we talked about earlier, that's that wrestle you, and where do we fall somewhere in between? Um, but, and what I would encourage people is 
please don't just look at the flyers and the mail and the headlines <laughs> or what your local newspaper says, because especially, I mean, media is so skewed. Look at the facts, look at their voting record, look at their history, look at what they've done before, look at how they've prepared, watch the debates, do those things, right? And, right. and do your best to make an individual assumption and not assumption an individual decision, not based on what all these external forces want you to think or say or do. And so um, that, that's my little, little piece of extra there is, is really own it for yourself. And, and, and argue, we have a very uninformed electorate and that's unfortunate. And what that results in is all this is that all of this, the, the word, the word, the sound bites and the, you know, slewing this, that, and the other. And, oh, this person said this 20 years ago and whatever. That's where that comes from is because the media and even campaigns are expecting us all to be uninformed. And so instead, make yourself informed so that you feel like you're voting on on the facts and in confidence for who the person is and what they're planning to do for you as an elected representative, not based upon what the media says. Right. And I would also encourage people to sit around collectively with their family and friends. And if someone happens to know someone who is more intimately involved, who has done their homework, reach out to them. I've been getting so many texts lately from friends who just don't have, it's not, it's not what their passion is. It is mine. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they'll reach out to me and they'll ask me who to vote for. And I never just send them names. I right. have a tendency to send them names and why I'm voting for someone. I would mm -hmm. encourage people to sit around and, and talk to each other. And, and, and there are candidates right now that we have running, especially in school board, as you know, that's where my passion has been. Um, and, and there's a couple candidates who regret their decision on the mass mandate. Again, mm -hmm. we, the people were using whatever science we thought we, well, we don't even want to get down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> they're apologizing for, I made the wrong decision. Get if they have the integrity to tell you publicly that they mm -hmm. were wrong, apologize to me. That's a huge star in the column to support them. Right, absolutely. Well, because we also have to put ourselves in those people's shoes, right? And think about yeah. the pressure, you know, what was being said, who were the experts and all of that because let's not pretend that many people weren't aren't still coming to realize that the way that things have been handled the last several years were especially detrimental to our children. And yes. if we were, for those that were in a decision making, uh, were, were in a position to make those decisions that feel that those decisions were incorrect, that feel that they've learned and would do it differently, then by all means, like, we're all going to be wrong sometimes and it's okay to, to say that. And, and we have to be willing to have that grace that we would want to have too, if we were to display that same integrity. So Myra, you're just, so, you, you give me so much wisdom every time we talk. I love hanging yeah. out with you. I love being involved with the things that you've helped start. And um, also in closing, one thing that I love to do that I've not been able to do as much super recently is, one thing that I, I love Myra's our organization with the conservative women and all of the opportunities to serve they're very family oriented family friendly and it's so important that we put our kids in situations that help them to 
have an opportunity to number one, be the helper, to be helping to serve, but also to love and see and understand and seek to know and serve those that are different from them in whatever way you want to frame that. Cause that means lots of different things. And it's so important for raising well-rounded kids. And so I love that you present those mm. opportunities and I love bringing my boys to mm. situations that perhaps they do feel uncomfortable a little bit, <laughs> but they also feel like they can make a difference. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Thank you for joining. <laughs> I hope others do. Yes, me too. Thanks so much, Myra. Appreciate your wisdom as always. Thank you, Emily, for having us. Thank you for these podcasts. They're so, so helpful. <laughs> of course. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.